Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey guys, it's Candace and Kayla, and we are directionally challenged. Oh yes, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. No, we don't. But that's cool. It is. It's totally cool. It's okay. And that's what we're learning day after day. Today, we are sitting down with someone who I saw on Instagram quite a long time ago and instantly started following them. I've been a huge fan. And when they reached out to come on the podcast, I jumped at that email so fast. Today, we are sitting down with Robert Hartwell. He is best known as a performer in so many iconic Broadway shows, including Hello, Dolly! with Bette Midler, Dreamgirls, Memphis, and so much more. At the height of his Broadway success, he realized that although he loved performing, 
His true passion was teaching and teaching the arts. This led him to create the Broadway Collective, where Robert and his team of performing arts professionals train the next generation of Broadway stars. You may have seen him in his viral Instagram post over the summer about becoming a homeowner, which was covered by People, CBS News, so many outlets. He is truly a phenomenal person. So without further ado, here is our awesome conversation with Robert Hartwell. And we're here with Robert Hartwell. Robert, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited just to dive right in, specifically on how you got into performing into Broadway. Was this a dream of yours from a young age? Did you always know you wanted to perform on stage? First off, I'm like freaking out that I'm here. I think it is so cool. I love that the, like the three of us, we all are literally like the same exact age. So we, it's amazing. I'm so pumped. I would definitely say it was a dream from a very young age, like seven years old to like be exactly specific. But the dream has changed, you know? And I really didn't know that dreams could change, honestly. And I know that sounds so silly, like, duh, Robert, dreams can change. But truly, I thought that at seven when I felt like, hey, you're going to be a Broadway performer. I didn't realize that, one, it would happen, but that, two, as it was happening, that my heart would start thinking about other ways to grow as well. I think that's what happens when you accomplish your dreams. You were seven. You set out to become a Broadway star and you did just that. And not only, I mean, you starred in five shows within seven years of being on Broadway. And one um, was the Hello Dolly remake, right? With Bette Midler, which is yeah. just, I think in the Broadway world, probably one of the top of the top. And so then you realize, okay, there's more to life than this, right? But taking yeah. it back to being seven-year-old you... Who did you look up to? Did you have Broadway stars that you looked up to and thought, oh, I want to be just like them? Or what was it that sparked that in you? Oh, Kayla, that is so good because one, nobody's ever asked me that before. Wow. So that's, that's juicy. <laughs> you know, I was that kid that would go and watch a show and it was never the lead. It was never the star that caught my eye. It was the ensemble person in the back that was dancing their heart out and just living their very best life. Like that was the person that I wanted to be. I was mm. like, that person is like full of life and giving life. So I remember one of the first uh, Broadway musicals that I ever saw was Cats. And I mean, it's just a bunch of adults running around in Lycra, right? You know, with like their <laughs> face painted. But I was like, oh, look at that kitty cat in the back who is just dancing like it's the last dance of their life. I was like, I want to be that kitty cat. And so that is really what inspired me were all of the people that made the magic happen, you know, behind the main event. You know, I, I, I think I've always kind of been that person that, you know, people would say, oh, do you want to be on TV? Do you want to be on film? And I'm like, oh, that feels way too big. I really, mm, I like, re I like supporting, you know, but then it's kind of funny how you say that that's what you want. And then kind of the, the complete opposite thing happens. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> and you were growing up in New York or the New York area, because for me, I feel like anyone I knew who grew up going to see Broadway, 
immediately from a young age was like, oh, I see myself on that stage where I grew up in Florida. I never even thought about like theater or, you know, dancing or Broadway or that kind of performance art, which is just so beautiful. And now I like look back and I wish that like I would have been more exposed to that. And it sounds like you went to go see theater and, and shows a lot when you were younger. I love that, Candace. You know, what's interesting is I actually grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. So my parents divorced when I was three. So my dad is from East Hampton. My mom is actually from Brooklyn. But when my parents divorced, my brother and my mom and I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, and my dad stayed in East Hampton. But what's so interesting is, you know, spending nine months of the year in Raleigh, North Carolina, my first real outlet to theater was seeing the national tours that came through, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I then got the opportunity to be on national tours, you know, and you're doing eight shows a week and it's that Saturday afternoon show (laughs) and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Maybe you should not have gone out to that bar last night. (laughs) But then to get into the theater and to really think that like, hey, when I was eight, nine years old, that Saturday matinee was cheaper than the Friday night show, right? right? So like that was the show that we would go see. So it's like, no, you have to show up and you have to give your all because there is a little Robert in that theater that like you have the opportunity to change their life that day. Mm. So I didn't have the opportunity to see Broadway shows um, because it was just out of like our family's financial means. So my dad and my mom both still like get the New York times on the weekends. So I remember as a kid, I was vision boarding before I knew what vision boarding was. So I would take the arts and entertainment section from the times and I would cut out all of the Broadway ads and I would plaster them around my wall. And so I was just like seeing like my version of seeing a Broadway show was like, you know, when the reviews would come out and when like the spectacular new, like, you know, imagery would come out or the key art for a show would come out. So that was like my outlet to, to Broadway before, you know, we could afford to see those shows. Yeah. It's so funny you bring up the national tour because we were having this conversation right before you hopped on the mic about what the difference between And hopefully you can help and help us with this because we have yet to do a fantastic Broadway episode. um, And we're so happy we're doing this with you. But what is the difference between a national tour of a show and the actual Broadway show? Oh, that's so good. So a show opens on Broadway. So it originates on Broadway. They have what's called an OBC, which is the original Broadway cast. And like, you know, in the industry, you're like, oh, how many OBCs have you been in? Like, you know, it's like... Uh, that's <laughs> the cream of the crop, right? That's, that's the cream you're of the on crop. The deep or the CDs, or I guess they're not CDs yes. anymore, but like, no, you know. but totally. Yeah, you're on all of that stuff. You also get like, you know, whenever the show then starts to be produced regionally, your name is like in the script. It's like, it's really cool. Oh, wow. But then what ends up happening? So after a show opens on Broadway, usually it runs for, you know, usually within the first year, the producers are then able to say, one, if it's a Tony award-winning show or not. So you're just like praying and banking for nominations and wins. I mean, and then when that happens, they go on a national tour. So then you're, you know, looking at a first national tour, second national tour, but it is a little 
difficult, I'd say, to see the difference in a Broadway show and a national tour. I would say having done both, there's a lot of care and attention that goes into that first national tour. Mm. But like any product, you know, whether it be whatever it is, like there's upkeep that has to be maintained. Mm -hmm. And I've been on national tours where there's a great amount of that and others that you're like, oh, we could use a cleaning, Mm -hmm. you know, because I know that this is not maybe the product that someone is getting in New York City. So I think that there's definite one, there's talent, whether it's the national tour or, or the Broadway production. And I think all production companies are working really hard to make sure that the level of the experience is the same, you know, for Mm -hmm. both. Now, how old were you when you first started auditioning for Broadway? And do you remember some of those early auditions and the singular audition that led to you booking your first Broadway role? Y'all are just going there today. Um, (laughs) So, you know, what's so interesting is I love experiences. Like I usually just throw myself into things much sooner than I usually should. I'm like, oh, great. Let's do this. So when I was like 16, 17 years old, I thought that it would be a really great idea to kind of see like what the competition was like. Like how did a dance call actually work? Like what what did a vocal audition really feel like? Because you hear your teachers talking about it nonstop. I was like, I want to experience this. So at the time, my Nana, my mom's mom was still alive. And so I would come and spend my summers with her in Brooklyn. And I would like, she'd give me like money to get on the subway. And Mm -hmm. I would like open the casting papers. This is when like backstage, like magazine was like still like, you know, I don't even know if the internet was invented yet. (laughs) I would go into these auditions. I mean, these are people like in their twenties and thirties and forties, like who are legit trying to get a job. like, here's me, like little pipsqueak, like I just want an experience, but it was really cool. I know. What was I doing? But it was really cool though, to like feel the energy, but to also just see the level of majesty that these other male dancers were like coming to the floor with. I was like, oh, I've got so much work to do. And One of my first auditions that I remember was for the Broadway company of 42nd Street. And her name is Kelly Barclay, but she was Randy Skinner's associate and also dance captain. And so she was running those auditions. And I remember she came up to me and she just, you know, kind of gave me this like, how are you here? Look, you know, because I was just so tired. Like, probably haven't even like hit puberty yet. But what was really cool is in college, Kelly ended up coming to our school and setting Randy's version of 42nd Street on us. And I told her this story of like, and like we had this like huge aha moment of like, you really shaped so much for me that day because you showed me that people that were on Broadway or casting Broadway shows, like that they were kind, you know, like she was still, although I was not ready at all and had no business being in that room, she was still kind and she was still loving and she was still gave me hope, you know, to like, Hey, you've got a lot of work to do kids. So like go home and go do the work. But coming to New York city proper, my first 
audition that I was actually going through was for the Dream Girls National Tour. So I was still in college and I was flying. They didn't, the casting directors didn't know that I was still in school and I didn't want them to know because I thought that that would like have, you know, a negative impact on them taking me seriously. So I was flying in from Ann Arbor, Michigan to New York City for all of these auditions. Um, And that audition process probably went on for about six months and I ended up not getting it the week before college graduation. And I was devastated. I was like, this is so terrible. Um, But one of my professors, Mark Madama, he said to me, he's like, hey, this is still just the beginning. Like you're not out of the race yet. Like this is just beginning. Like get to the city, the things that they've told you to work on, work on them. And so I did. And it actually ended up being my first show that I got when I got to the city because someone had dropped out and then there was a spot open. And then I ended up, you know, going into that person's spot. And what's really, I think now looking back on it, I was not ready yet to be in New York city. Like I needed one more year away from the city after graduation. It kind of felt like finishing school to be around adults and to be around like a safe and supportive environment that wasn't Broadway yet. Right. And having that year on that national tour really prepared me for making my Broadway debut when I got to the city. You know, it's interesting you touch on the idea of losing, right? Experiencing the loss of something you want really, really badly. And I think that's such an important part of being an entertainer and being in the arts is experiencing that and then learning from it and then growing and deciding, no, I want it even more now. And then it makes you go and get it even more. And that's just all part of the experience. But the first time we all remember those losses, the very first time. But then what's so great about your story is it ends up being a win in the end. And some things really are just meant to be and you were meant to be on that show. That's so kind. I tell our students a lot. I'm like, delay is not denial, you know, and it's very easy to share that lesson, you know, and to share that thought with someone, but to truly embody it and just continue to say like, no, I really must believe in my heart of hearts that my best days have to still be ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And it just like really gives you when to continue to show up even when those no's come, because it's just, it's part of the journey, but will you keep going in? You know, you, will you keep going in? Yeah. And so you would go on to have a really wonderful Broadway career uh, performing in a number of shows. And when was the time that you decided to conceptualize the Broadway collective? Because you found yourself, you you had this vision board that you didn't even know you were making a vision board. And then you've accomplished all of these goals that you had set out for yourself. And then when did you realize like, oh, there's a new fire, there's a new idea, there's a new spark. And I want to lean into this opportunity to give others the opportunities that maybe I didn't even know weren't super readily available to myself at a young age. Yes. So both of my parents are educators. And so my entire life, I've just grown up watching two people that I love very much teach other people. Right. But then Part two to that is that my dad is a basketball coach and a hard basketball coach. Like he makes you work. Okay. And so I just grew up seeing that if you put the work in that 
wins and win were inevitable. And so I saw that. And so when I was in school, the way in college, the way that I paid my way through school was that I would direct and choreograph shows at one of the local high schools in Ann Arbor. And so I I started teaching while I was in college. Then when I got out of college and went on the national tour of Dreamgirls, there was a musical theater education company who had this incredible structure that they would connect people that were in national tours with local dance studios across the country. So wherever I was, they kind of like served almost like an agent of sorts, you know, of like putting you into classes. And I just really learned and started to lean into the fact that I really loved teaching, but and I say this in all humility, I was really good at it mm-hmm. because I just, I love kids. Like I, I, I can't say it enough. And I also love their parents and wanting to figure out like, Hey, like what are the things that are hard for you right now to support this dream, which feels honestly like so wild. Right. right. So my entire career on Broadway, I was always teaching for other people's musical theater organizations. And as you're doing that, you're starting to realize like, hey, I know that I have something to offer here, but it's a little difficult to do that when you're under someone else's structure, right? So I went on, I think it was my, it was my second national tour of Motown the Musical. And right after, while we were out on the national tour, the director, Charles Randolph Wright, he gathered everyone into the theater right before our opening night. And mind you, it's Motown, right? So like I was playing a temptation. It's like a mm-hmm. cast of 95% like African-American, you know, BIPOC people. And he said, listen, you all have an incredible opportunity ahead of you. He was like, you are getting ready to go across the country and represent the Motown legacy, which means you are part of the Motown family, which means like you are part of like the Motown brand. Like you have a brand identity that you can connect with and like amplify whatever dream that you have. He was like, don't just go out across this country and only share Barry Gordy's vision, right? Barry Gordy's vision was for other people to feel inspired so that they then built their own Motown and their Motown built another Motown, right? And so he said, when you are out on this national tour, you will be doing your job if you obviously come and do these eight shows a week, but you will be doing your job if you build something for your family, you build something that's bigger than yourself. And to me, it was just like this immediate like call that I felt of like, okay, I don't know what the name of it is, Mm -hmm. but I know that now is the time that I open my own academy. Now is the time that I start doing this thing. And the really awesome thing was I had, like he said, an incredible company that was already like, you know, giving me a platform. So I like to joke that it was really the Motown national tour that (laughs) financed the beginning of the Broadway (laughs) Collective because wherever we toured, the Broadway Collective toured, right? Mm-hmm. So like one week we'd be in LA, the next week we'd be in San Francisco. And so I just started doing pop-up classes. Um, and from there, it started to grow into more, into more, into more. And then it got to the point when I was doing Hello, Dolly, that I really had to make a choice and say, okay, this thing, you cannot continue to juggle eight shows a week on Broadway, plus like, these hundreds of kids who are looking to you for 
guidance, you know? Um, so that's really where the switch happened was Charles Randolph Wright saying, now is the time to build something that's beyond what you've been doing. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. 
with so many sample packs, new products. It's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code challenged right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code challenged. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back. We talk so much on this podcast about pivoting in your career. It seems to be this theme that keeps coming up. And we're realizing that people who are willing to kind of go where life takes them and kind of find their calling, they are their willingness to pivot. And you said sometimes your dreams birth new dreams. I think having the calling and understanding it and then making it happen are two completely different things. So for our listeners who have that calling that are trying to figure out how to actually do it, can you take us through I know you started to do pop-ups, but then after Hello Dolly, you did the actual, you made the commitment. Once you make the commitment, what's the next step? What's the how-to? Oh, I would say the first step is to keep it simple. Because I think right now with all of the resources that are available to us, we're all reaching and reaching and reaching versus keeping it simple. So the actual first thing that I did after the charge of like, hey, make this company... I knew that whatever I built, I wanted it to one last so that it needed to have like a proper legal entity to it, right? Like I didn't want to be paying people under the table. I I wanted to do it right. So the first thing that I did was I Googled like small business formation attorneys, you know, and I ended up finding this incredible woman named Rachel Rogers, who, um, is an incredible uh, Black female entrepreneur. And at the time, she had this program called Small Business Bodyguard. And what it did was it showed young entrepreneurs like myself, essentially how to like build the structure of building your own corporation or LLC or whatever have you. So this is really funny. You might see Candace and I looking at each other. We had uh, Rachel Rogers on our podcast and mm-hmm. we have had she's great. She's we, fantastic. we are such fans of hers. And I had no idea that she was part of your story. This is fantastic. Oh, sorry to gosh. interrupt. Continue. No, no, no. This is so great. <laughs> she so what's so interesting is at the time I, I um, my boyfriend at the time, I said to him, I saw Rachel. And then I started getting targeted with all of her Facebook ads. And I said to him, I said, Ramon, I was like, this woman is going to be my best friend. I was like, she's going to be our attorney. I was like, but she's going to be my best friend. And he was like, you know what? I think you're cuckoo, but like, (laughs) Hey, like I'm here for it. So what ended up happening was working with Rachel and going through that program. I had one person in my head, right? I just had one voice. Like I was going to one source, one trusted source. And I said, I'm going to just follow this framework. And I think what's been interesting now is like, you know, five years into the journey is watching other young entrepreneurs that do this person's program and that person's program. And then you just get confused and overwhelmed, you know, versus like keeping it simple. So what was really helpful was as Rachel's, you know, business and vision has grown, like I feel like our vision 
and business has grown with her because you have this incredible leader in front of you that is showing you like truly how possible it is, right? Like when I met her, her business like had just hit like six figures, you know, (laughs) she now does like seven figure months, you know, (laughs) like wild, you know? Um, So I would definitely say the big pivot for us was from the jump of like finding a trusted mentor that had a proven framework to help people that don't have business degrees that maybe don't understand what the stock market is, but that like have a passion for helping people, but need to like legally protect what you're creating, you know, so that you can like really amplify like your vision and your voice. Um, And so it really was just quite natural, I'd say, to pivot once I saw that moment of Hello Dolly of like, I can't keep working like 18 hour days because at that point we had a framework in place that thanks to Rachel that really supported me feeling and knowing that like, hey, you have a paycheck that's coming in. You can hire a team. You can do like the next steps to grow this and not feel that like without a Broadway show, you won't be able to pay your rent. Right. Yeah. And then at that point, how did you know you wanted to structure this school to be different in this kind of Broadway educational experience for your students to be different than maybe some of the classes you had taken before? Because I know you've put a lot of thought into that. You even, um, I've read and listened that you uh, specifically even focus on mental health, where as a creative artist, a lot of that does not get discussed in classes or, um, or courses. And so what went into you sitting down to figure out like what you wanted to specifically talk to your students about uh, beyond just dance and theater and, and vocal classes? Oh, you know, I have to say a lot of it comes back to those early mentorship sessions with Rachel because it was 2016 and we were opening. And the first thing that she said to me was, yes, like, let's legally protect you and this company. She said, but start to think about five years down the road and 10 years down the road, right? She was like, what you want to think about is how can you create more access for people without you physically needing to be in the room? And so for me, I've always been fascinated and obsessed because my parents are educators with how curriculum is built, right? And so I started to immediately think about the pain of like what people go through when they're training. And a lot of it is imposter syndrome. A lot of it is confidence. A lot of it is just the sheer need to take care of childhood trauma, right? And so I knew from the jump that we wanted wellness to be the foundation of our program. And we wanted everyone before they started to do our vocal master classes or our dance master classes or our acting workshops, we wanted to know your why. Because as we start to then get attached to the morning routine and the evening routine and the time study and really figuring out, you know, what life coaching sessions could look like with our therapist. When that starts to get shaky, which it will, because so much uncovers from that, like we get the opportunity to go back to the why so that then 
we're not playing ourselves in scene work, right? Like we're actually able to like get to the heart of like who we are. And so our first masterclass that we ever did was actually in New Orleans, Louisiana on January 24th, 2016. And a mom asked me, she literally said, she was like, what is your the first question a parent ever asked in a Q&A? She said, what is your greatest hope for the Broadway Collective? And I said, to make an online academy that regardless of where students are in the world, that they could have access to the people that they want to be, right? Like if I at 12 years old in Raleigh, North Carolina would have been able to get feedback from a Broadway performer, like my friends who lived in New Jersey or New York or Philly could easily get that access. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of my questions and a lot of my fear would have been taken care of before I even got here. Like my journey just would have been so much smoother and simpler simply because I had access to the information. So from jump, it was like, how can we be closer to people without needing to be physically in a room with them? One thing I really want to talk about is the diversity that you guys have in your theatrical program. And it's not just racial, it's economic. It's on so many different levels, because the truth is Broadway has always felt like such a privileged job, you know, not just with distance, but certain people only had access to these classes. You have now made it available to everyone and anyone. I just think it's so beautiful to watch you break these barriers. And for our listeners that are listening that feel this calling that want to do it, how, what's advice, what advice would you have to them and how can they um, get involved in the Broadway Collective? Oh, Kayla, that's so kind of you to say, you know, I have to say it has been, and it's a word that you all love a lot, journey. Um, (laughs) It has been like a huge journey of one, making sure that our students are seeing who they can be. And if you don't see it, like you literally truly cannot be it, right? So we want to always make sure that not just our classroom is diverse, but that our talent that's on our team, like our people that work in marketing, our people that, you know, work in operations, that they see that like, hey, you can have a BFA in musical theater, but like still run like a multi-seven figure online company, like and be a brown person. Like you can do this, you know? And I have to tell you, it the journey is like constantly finding ways to support our students who need a little extra care. And I have to say that like, although I didn't come from a lot of money, I came from the most support. Mm -hmm. And so that has been, you know, as we all began to reckon with race in America in a very real way last summer, that has been a huge reckoning for me as we start to make, you know, different scholarship programs available of not only making sure that students are able to get into the class, but that the systems of support are there, right? So like one of our first summers that we had students that were scholarships into the program, we send them course books. And I was so puzzled as to like, hey, why aren't the students filling out their homework? You know, like what's happening? And then I quickly realized like, Robert, the other students that are in this program, they may have one or two parents that are making sure they're doing the work. 
these students didn't have Wi-Fi in their homes. They didn't have computers in their home. Like they didn't have a smartphone where they could get my text message reminders that I sent out to all the kids. You know, like there was just so many things that I hadn't thought about because that wasn't my experience. And so it really requires you to do like an empathy audit of like, you have to begin to see the world through their eyes. So our journey right now is we're starting to get so many students from those programs that are getting into these top college programs. I think of one of our students right now, her name is Essence. And she came to us and she had never experienced a program like ours before. And Essence just got into one of the top musical theater BFA programs in the country last week, which is Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. And it's a huge freaking deal, right? And now we're thinking of, okay, how do we support her in a way that feels empowering for her and um, feels like your work got you here and that it's not just a handout that someone's giving you because that's not at all who we are. So we're now trying to figure out essentially how we continue to support our students like that then end up getting the win, right? Like, okay, cool. It's great to get into this incredible school. Now we have to pay for it and I'm not going to leave you hanging, you know? So I would definitely say to follow us on our website or get onto our list because we're like actively making ways in the coming weeks that our students that are starting to gain these incredible opportunities that otherwise would have no way to get to school, you know, that we support them to the best of our ability. So we're like actively making those resources available for them. It sounds like you really get to know these students and these kids and watch them as they better themselves and also not just their skills, but be able to be better equipped at realizing their dreams and realizing their own potential within themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you feel like there's a part of that experience in which you're in touch with your own childhood and seeing and how proud like the maybe the child version of yourself would be to see you kind of lifting up these students? Oh, that's really sweet. You know, you become a part of their family. And I say it all the time, but like, that's the part of building this that I didn't know was going to happen, you know, simply because at the end of the day, this is a family business, right? Like my mom runs our payroll, my brother, you know, works on our operations team, but we're always asking in every single one of our programs for not only the students to be involved, but the parents to be involved. And so you're constantly hearing their fears. You're constantly hearing their dreams, both on both sides. And you like, you know, once you start to get those holiday cards from kids and you start to see them like grow up every, like you really like melt. And so I would definitely say, I think like childhood Robert would look at this program and say like, this is really special in the sense that, you know, I can think of a couple of our kids who have really come into their personhood through this program, whether it be, you know, coming into, you know, identity or coming into who they choose to love. And if I would have had a supportive environment in that way to be able to, you know, because, you know, doing arts training in the nineties and the, and, you know, in early 2000, like there was still a huge amount of shame around like, okay, you can be gay, but don't act gay. Don't tell people that you're gay or you'll only play gay, you know, but now to like have a teaching faculty and a founder that are like, 
baby, we are gay and we are out here living our very best lives. And you too can live your very best, like authentic self. Like I just, I see the road being easier for them because of the permission to be unapologetically authentic, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. You have such a tribe of people around you that lift you up and you guys lift each other up and you're so charismatic and so compelling. How do you find and attract those people to you so that you can continue to grow? Because I think that's something that a lot of people in life are still learning, myself included, making sure that we're surrounding ourselves with the people that lift us up, the people that, that are on our team that want us to win. Um, so what advice do you have in that regard? Trust your gut. Mm. Trust your gut. You know, we just finished like a huge hiring process. And I had, again, I say it all the time, I don't have no business degree. Okay. Like there are moments where I'm sitting in our team meetings and I'm like, oh my goodness, what are we doing here? How are we here? But the real of the real of the real is that we're here because of the people that we choose to surround ourselves with. And our team actively is working to better ourselves and to really lift each other up. Like we're always trying to find like ways, you know, as our coach Alex always says, how to reduce pressure and noise in our company so that we can cause momentum, not only for ourselves, but our team members and our families. And so it is to trust your instinct and to move quicker. Like there was some, uh, there was a hire that we had made a few years ago and I knew that it wasn't a fit and I let it go on for way too long. Right. And I would have saved that person a lot of heartache and myself a lot of heartache. And when I just felt that flag that I would have then Mm -hmm. acted on it. And so Mm. the same thing happened a few weeks ago. Um, There were two incredible people that had gone through our hiring process. And as we began to work together, I realized it was not a red flag, but it was a pause, right? And I really had to investigate, what does this pause mean? And I didn't know, but what I did know is that it was not a fit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so again, to release them sooner than then dragging it on in the moment that we did that as a team of one, respecting their time and respecting where we knew the organization was heading Two incredible people literally the next day, like dove into our inbox, like, hello. And I'm like, <laughs> you stop it universe. But like, do not stop it. Um, and so I would say like the key is just to trust the trust. That's like the signals that the universe is like giving you, you know, we, yeah. we all have an intuition, but we all have to move on it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we're back. I feel like we've all, I feel personally that a year like 2020 and, and isolation and quarantine has kind of gotten us all more in tune with that. And it's going to be interesting now that we're all kind of re-entering the world, uh, how that plays out. Um, speaking of re-entering the world, Broadway has been dark for over a year now. You know, how are your fellow Broadway performers and friends holding up? What can we do to support the artists that we love and and keep Broadway as this beautiful thing that is in existence as opposed to something that is um, in the past? Because I'm very scared. I'm like, I'm so excited just to buy every ticket to everything, to every right. performance, every music <laughs> show, every Broadway show. Um, how do you think that us and our listeners can help support the Broadway community during this time still? One, I think the Actors Fund is an incredible resource that so many actors have literally survived um, because of. And so I really make it a point to talk about them as often as possible because I think that the work that they're doing is really, really incredible. The other thing is trusting and supporting the artists that you love. So many Broadway performers have all opened their own companies over the pandemic, whether it be a podcast or whether it be life coaching or musical theater education, whatever it is. And so I've just tried to find ways that, oh, okay, this person opened a soap company. Well, when it's time to send goodie boxes to your team, I'm going to go to them versus a national retailer to, you know, help these micro economies, because I think that's really like how we're going to drive support um, is by directly going to them and supporting them in that way. Um, but it's also been really exciting to see performers have to pivot and have to get creative. One of my friends, his name is Greg Dastonville. He's a Broadway wardrobe stylist. So for every opening night, like every Broadway performer, like runs to Greg to style, to style them. But obviously like, but we have not been anywhere. Ain't nobody getting styled for nothing <laughs> right, right, right now, right? <laughs> um, but last, this past weekend, Greg did this incredible photo shoot where he's telling stories using fashion and using storytelling in an entire new way. And so it's like, it's so cool to see how the, you know, Broadway performers are starting to use the gifts and the skills that they have, like in a very transferable way, even into other, into, pa into other passions. So I think the best way we can support is 
when we see them creating is to to be a part of it and to amplify. Yeah. Speaking of amplifying, we cannot let you go without talking about your viral Instagram post that we all know and love. I know you've talked about it so many times. I'm sure you're not sick of it, though, because it truly is un- just unbelievable. You bought a massively beautiful historic house um, in upstate New York area uh, built in 1820. That's 200 years ago. You've gotten so much attention from it. We've all read the New York Times article, everything. And What's interesting about this is you have discussed how difficult it was to buy a house. And I'm hoping you can discuss that process with us and share a little bit of insight. Yeah. First, I did not start 2020 thinking like, I want to be a homeowner this year. (laughs) Like that was really not on the docket at all. Um, Like that's not at all what I was thinking about doing. But it all really came together in quite a beautiful way. But I would definitely say, you know, when I saw the house, I just knew that that house was mine. Like I just felt it in my bones. I felt it in my, in like the core of my spirit. And literally everyone was like, you are wild. This home has sat on the market for years. Like it is a beautiful home, but on the inside, there's so much work, you know, that needs to be done. It hasn't been a residence for so many years. Um, and I even remember, um, Barney, who is my agent, when I told him like, you know, this is the the house that I want when I was, you know, going up to go see it, he said, Oh, well, I'm definitely going to make sure that we, you know, see other homes. So he put like, you know, 12 (laughs) homes together for us to go see that day. And I was like, no, you actually can save your time. um, And you can just go show me this one house. And he's like, please just like, just let me at least show you three. So like to appease him, I let him show me the other homes and I like had a sour face on until he took me to my house. And I was like, this is it, you know, but what was so interesting about that moment, I think for all of us was one, I did not wake up that morning hoping or expecting to go viral, you know, like I literally, like that was, I actually, um, I put it on Facebook because I thought that Facebook would be more private and that only my friends and my family would see it. Um, but what's been so incredible, I think about the experience is the hope that it has given other people. Um, and especially, Black people, especially young entrepreneurs that are like trying to figure it out. Um, And what's been, I'd say what's been difficult, you know, with all of it happening is we get such an opportunity now to tell Black stories in a new and a fresh way. And there have been so many, you know, people that have reached out that want to talk about the story, but only want to connect it to the pain and the trauma of what 1820 was for black and brown people in this country. And what I know to be true about 2021 and moving forward is that this is a story of Black joy. This is a story of Black resilience. This is a story of what the power of small business in America can do. Um, And so that's what I just am so grateful for that we get the opportunity to lean into because 
I wish that I would have had stories like that growing mm-hmm. up of just like, oh, you mean like black people get to tell stories that aren't only attached to pain, but that are actually attached to like promise and joy. And like, Hey, this hard work actually can be quite fruitful, you know, and quite surprising. So that's been, that's definitely been a journey. (laughs) Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to keep, to keep working on it. Yeah. I want to read a part of the Instagram, uh, quote, sent what you wrote down. It says, I wish I could have told my ancestors when they were breaking their backs in 1820 to build this house that 200 years later, a free gay black man was going to own it and fill it with love and find a way to say their name. Even when 200 years later, they still thought I would be quote off the table. We are building our own tables. I've never been prouder to be a black man. Come to my white house anytime. I can't wait to have you. Glory to God in the highest. I'm a homeowner. That makes me smile. I just really wanted to read that. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and and your smile speaking of smiles, I mean the picture you are you are beaming in in the photograph that you posted with it standing in front of of your white house and you are just clasping your hands you're so excited it's just it's a it's exact everything that you're just saying it's a celebration it's a moment of joy um were were you and and from what i've heard you turned your phone off that day actually so you didn't even know that it was this was going viral (laughs) until um a period of time later um were you surprised? Were you caught off guard? Were you like, yes, this should be viral? You're like a little, what, what were your, were there any mixed emotions? What were the emotions once this uh, did take off? Uh, well, so our director of operations at the Broadway Collective, Dallin, he actually drove up with me, you know, to close on the house that day. And he is like one of the most like peaceful, like centered people that I know. And we hadn't seen each other obviously because of the pandemic. So it was actually his idea to turn our phones off and just enjoy the time. He's like, this is a very like momentous day. And so I remember like, after we took the picture, I was like, I have to post it. And he was like, okay, turn your phone off. And I was like, well, I'm over here writing this caption. I got to tell people what (laughs) happened. Um, And then I turned my phone off and we just had the best day. Like, I'm so grateful Mm. that my phone was off. I'm so grateful that I just got to enjoy that day with one of my best friends and just to like soak in what had just happened. But truly when I got home, I mean, it was late. It was probably like 10, 30, 11 o'clock that night when I finally turned my phone on. And I just was, I was only turning my phone on to call my mom and let her know that I got back to my apartment safely. And like, as you probably heard, like she was like panting and out of breath. And I was like, girl, are you okay, mom? What is happening? (laughs) And she's like, have you seen, have you seen? And I'm like, mom, what are you talking about? And she's like, thousands of people have liked this. Like, and I'm like, and for real, I really did think like, maybe my five aunties had like legit, like, you know, <laughs> shared it with people. Um, and so when I finally got in the apartment, I was like, okay, let me look at this thing. What is she talking about? And then I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And so I really didn't quite believe it. And I didn't know what it meant, but I immediately, um, I felt in a way 
honestly, in a way nervous, you know, because like, again, I spent a lot of my life like on Broadway, you know, like you're not really like in the front in that way. And so mm. the person that actually turned it around for me that night, bring it, bringing it all the way back around to mentors and cheerleaders and like people seeing more in you than you can see in yourself was I called Rachel Rogers. And I said, wow. I literally got off the phone with my mom and I called Rachel and she's like, we've got this, like, we've got this, like, what would, what could this win do, you know? And it was honestly in that moment that she and I were talking and she's like, Robert, like, you've always wanted to like make a TV show where you like renovate a home. Like, what would it be called? And like, literally that night on the phone, we brainstormed like the idea of Black Man, White House, you know? And so that all happened that night. The next morning, I like, like bought the domain. Like all of that just happened from like a friend who was like saying, who like bringing it all the way back of like me telling Ramon that she was going to become my best friend. Well, she did become my best friend. Um, and just saying like, hey, you can do this, you know? And like the the nation was in such turmoil and we needed light, you know? She's like, and that's who you are. So like, be who you're called to be, be the light. Like, this is your assignment right now. Like, you don't get the opportunity to go hide in your room like I wanted to, real talk. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, I hate attention. <laughs> like, I mm -hmm. just wanna go in the background and like talk about my kids, right? Um, and she was like, nah that's not what this season is. Like you're going to share your light. Um, and so thank God for good friends, you know. And you even got the attention of Pharrell and Jay-Z. Uh, they reached out to you to close out their music video for their song Entrepreneur. What was that moment like when they asked you not only to be a part of this music video, but specifically your role within it, closing out this um, really beautiful uh, video? I thought it was a hoax. I really thought it was a hoax. I'm serious. Like, they, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I'm for real. Like, they emailed me and I thought it was a hoax. You can ask anybody on my team. We didn't, what were you going to say, Kayla? No, wasn't it a Yahoo email address yes, that they emailed you from? Yes. It's like, <laughs> now who is using Yahoo? Whoa, who's doing that? No idea. No you know? idea. But what's so funny is like the the person on the other end, her, her name's Lola. She's incredible. I love her and I'm not shading Yahoo at all. But I I really did think because like you're going to send me an email and say, Hey, Robert heard about your story. Jay-Z and Pharrell doing a new music <laughs> video. We would love for you to close out the music video dancing in front of your house. Can you email me back? I was like, this is the devil is a liar. And so we didn't respond. Like we legit didn't respond. And then she like came back a few days later, like circling back in. And so someone on our team ended up reaching out and she's like, Robert, I think this might be legit. I'm like, y'all, there is no way. I'm like, I don't do hip hop dance. Like, how am I going to be on a Pharrell and Jay-Z music video? I'm going to, this is, this is wrong. And so they said, no, they want to set up a call with you. So, and they said, the director is Calmatic. And I was like, oh my God, Calmatic, he's huge. I'm dying inside. So legit that night got on FaceTime and it was Lola and Calmatic. And they were like, so here's our vision. And he's like, you know, we're going to, you know, meet all of these incredible, you know, BIPOC entrepreneurs all across the country. And then we're going to close with like what entrepreneurship, black entrepreneurship can do in America. Like you can buy a home, you can blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, okay, 
I think that this is, and again, like me, cuckoo over here, like this is their way of me. They're saying this so that I'll say yes, right? Like you're going to close it. I was like, there's no way. So they were moving so fast. And so they said, all right. I said, this sounds incredible. I was still like freaking out over the fact that like I had just met Calmatic over FaceTime. Um, Mm -hmm. I just love his work. And so that next Friday, I drove up to the house. They had a camera crew there. I danced. And honestly, like it was the first time I had like danced in the pandemic. And I was like, oh, everything <laughs> hurts. I was like, I need an ice pack and Epsom salt. Um, yeah. But anyway, so it happened. And then like literally the next week they were like, Hey, we need you to sign. I had to like finish, you know, signing some things. And then I took myself on a little vacation up to Hudson. And then that night, I just started getting all of these messages at midnight from people saying, have you seen, have you seen? And when I saw that video, I just nearly fell out of my hotel bed because I was like, oh, this was real. And what he said, like, actually happened, you know? So it was really... It was a special moment, but I thought it was so incredible that that these two incredible Black men who are such inspirations to so many of us, that they took the time to honor and to amplify Black entrepreneurs in a time where so many of us were just struggling to make it work and struggling to like, you know, make it happen. And so Mm -hmm. that is talk about being a blessing, being blessed to be a blessing. That is the evidence, right? You know, when you are Pharrell, when you are Jay-Z, when you all are Calmatic, but you're looking back and saying, hey, I've been given so much. How do I turn around and make sure that I'm giving this back so that we're all rising, we're all moving forward? And that to me was, that was so evident. Which is, I would say, exactly what you're doing with the Broadway Collective and showing your students what they can be and who they can dream to be. Truly. Thank you, Candice. Thank you. That's so kind. It's so true. Sometimes the world has bigger plans for you mm. than you think. So you just got to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Hartwell, this has been a fantastic interview and conversation. Thank you for joining us today. I know so many of our listeners are going to want to follow you and follow the Broadway Collective. Where can they find you on social media? They can find us on social media at The Way Collective on IG or our website, thewaycollective.com. Robert, thank you again so much for joining us. We are we just have like the biggest smiles on our face. <laughs> I know. <We> are. <laughs> it was just such a great conversation. Um, but sorry, Kayla, I'm not going to let you get off that easy. We <laughs> talked about something before we jumped on the mic this morning. And uh, you thought that I forgot, but I didn't because you decided to just, you know, very casually drop that you had toured with Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat <laughs> Company at one point in your career. And I never knew this. What? Yeah, I, I'm like so embarrassed. I don't know why I don't like talking about myself. I have a hard time with it sometimes, especially after having this amazing conversation with Robert. But yes, Candace, you are right. I did the National Broadway tour of a show called Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat when I was young. And that is truly what made me fall in love with acting and all of and just performing in general. So um, what he's doing with these kids is is going to change their lives because, you know, not only is it a creative outlet, but it shapes so much of who we are as individuals. And I'm so excited that it's available for anyone and everyone now. It's something that shaped me. And I just feel like 
I don't know who I would be without it. So I'm hoping that it does that for everyone else as well. Yeah. So how old were you? Dang it. You're not going to let me get away with this. No. Okay. How old were you? <laughs> okay. I don't remember. I was in fourth grade. So I'm trying to remember wow. what um, age you are when did you're you in like fourth sing grade. or did you dance or what was the ni- name of your character? I did it all. So if you have never seen the musical, there is a chorus of children. So it was in the chorus and there's I guess 26 total. And yes, I had to just go up and audition. And it's funny, they just, I had a dance studio. I was part of a dance studio when I was a kid and they had it posted on the wall. And I said to my mom, hey, I'd really like to go do that. And she was like, okay, let's go try it. And that's also one of the perks of being born and raised in Los Angeles. It was something that was accessible. And so we drove in traffic, albeit for an hour. And then I ended up getting the job. And you know, when you're young at that age, you haven't really been through how hard and difficult it is. So you think when you go to an audition that you're probably going to get it. And it was one of my first experiences where I was like, yay, I ended up, it ended up working out. And so for some of the time as a fourth grader, I got to, you know, be a part of this really cool, awesome, amazing experience like would you go to slumber parties and be like sorry guys i'm just really tired from touring with the <laughs> joseph and technicolor dream coat national company it's just definitely really exhausting not. <laughs> definitely not as you know like a lot of times i don't talk about it where we've been friends for how many years and you didn't even know this <laughs> i'm gonna make you talk about this all the time that's how i'm gonna introduce you from now on oh this okay. is my friend kayla yule broadway star Kayla Yule. Okay, definitely not. Yes. Now I'm just completely red and embarrassed after talking to a real Broadway star. But yeah, that's definitely a part of my life. And it, it did. It shaped who I am. So um. it's now shaping who I am, too. It's shaping our <laughs> <Okay>. friendship. <laughs> Mel's nodding her head like, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You have to end this episode. Now I'm just flustered and okay. hot. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Me, Candace King, and Kayla Yule, Broadway star. Um, we'll have an all new episode of Directionally Challenged with Kayla Yule, Broadway star next week. Check you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Edited by Katrina Henning. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.